Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and I have another proud Block Party Podcast Network member, and I will call them my co-host because they will do just as much, if not more, than I will for the episode, but I will let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Kurt, and I am from uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and & Daughters. I am the dungeon master on that show and uh, the daddy for most of the players on that because that's, uh, that's what I play with my daughters when we play Dungeons & Dragons. So for this, I could be DM Kurt instead of daddy or just Kurt. <laughs> there you go. Boom. DM Kurt, a.k.a. you'll figure it out. And we're going to tie back to episode number 164, Co-Dungeon Mastering which featured you, because that's what I like to do. The Inspireception, as it were. And that led to the creation of Diamnastics 135, Missed Connections. Uh, but before we jump into too much, I want to give a huge shout out to Captain Dialup, who actually kind of came up with the start of the idea, and then Rorik and I kind of fleshed it out a little bit more and threw it up on the forums. Captain Dialup is a fantastic name. Yes, and it, they have a hilarious, angry-looking dragonborn, I think, as their avatar, which is wonderful. So I think one of the inspirations for this was to kind of have, you know, and if you're thinking about code dungeon mastering, an NPC that I make up could be wildly different than the NPC, let's say, you made up, Kurt. So we're kind of trying to get those skills in order by just one person makes up an NPC, and how does your NPC tie back to that so let's just we'll just jump right into it like how did you want to tackle this one i know we we're going to go through kind of the forum content and then jump into making our own well i wonder if we should start with the example that was on the forums of well because you had initially started this out with a starting npc of a, of a selfish half-elf barbarian and then throughout the post, as people added on to it, he ended up getting a name and he started getting more of a backstory. And then he started getting linked to additional NPCs and how he first met them and then got grouped up with some others and encountered others. And I just thought it was a fantastic organic display of a backstory of how like a really diverse adventuring party got together in the first place. And it made me start to think is like, I wonder if this could be a really fantastic exercise for a beginning party to for their session zero and coming up oh, yeah. with coming up with all the backstories and then them figuring out how they run into each of the characters in their group. And then you have this really rich backstory for the entire group and how they all interlinked and got started in in their adventuring together. That's that's an awesome idea. And I would totally make the group after they were done roll for initiative. <laughs> and then that's basically where you know, and take this idea and that's where the part the story starts with whoever rolled the highest. Right, um, right. I yes, yeah, so the half elf barbarian from a high end gambling house who is really, I mean really afraid of the dark. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into kind of the questions, you know, and if you guys wanted to use it in your own campaign or world. So basically, who are they? What do they do? Why wouldn't they normally interact with the previous NPC? Because that that was one of the big things is also kind of 
going against the grain and accepting and being yes and and everything like that and just saying, okay, I don't, I I know these two people should never have met in the first place, but now that they have, how do they work together? Why have these two come together? What is their initial thoughts on the other person? How do they present themselves? Any interests that they may have in common? Possible small talk that they might exchange? And our favorite question to pose in basically every DMnastics exercise, anything else? So what was what were your thoughts on the post from Will who gave us Jelial, the drow debt collector, as the first NPC to interact with the selfish half-elf barbarian? Well, I liked Will twisted it a little bit because of the scenario that he came up with for Jelial, uh going after the half-elf barbarian, who he named as George, which is obviously brilliant name for yes. uh, for an npc so so george and jay lyle would actually probably encounter themselves very easily in an adventure because uh jay lyle is actually tasked with going after george so it's like they, it is possible it's very likely that they would meet up given the scenario that that will had thrown out however twisting that as on its head as they run into difficulties in in jay lyle arresting or subduing George and collecting the bounty on him, they end up getting in the trouble and, and both of them ending up getting captured and then the, them having to rely on each other. And so I think that's where Will came back to the, the spirit of the post in that that's the situation that it's not, it's not unlikely that they would encounter each other. It's very unlikely that they would actually team up and be using each other as allies to get themselves out of the predicament that they, they got themselves into. Mm-hmm. And then I like the the twist, the further twist into like somewhat of a Stockholm syndrome story because right. you're basically they're still having to go to the Drow City, but now it's kind of this. But the only way we can get there is by working together, and where that you know, and then planting the seed. It's like okay, where is that going to fall apart? That's up to you, DM, not my problem. <laughs> and then along the way of them then finding out what are some of the things that they have in common with each other. It's like how they were raised, the backgrounds they have, the personality tendencies that they have. The, these little things start coming out between the two of them in this this unlikely scenario. And then on top of that, I like the way that Will had, had taken it in the direction that they actually do become allies, maybe not quite friends, but at least someone that they can trust and, and count on. But there's always that hanging thing over that that uh, uh, Jalil has, and that it's her duty to bring George back in and get the bounty on his head. So there's there's always this this element of of tension in the background that she could turn on him at any point in time. So it's frenemies is probably the best term yeah. for it. <laughs> Perfect. If if we can find any use for fun words like frenemies, it can't be bad. The next thing we got to look at, though, is from Captain Dial-Up themselves and the introduction of Count Sergio Lostinov, which, I mean, if you want to talk about an amazing NPC name, we can go ahead and say again, Count Sergio Lostinov, <laughs> because, because that is amazing. It is a phenomenal name. It's it that is that that's like up there with Inigo Montoya for the name that's on there. It's it's fantastic. Very yes, I wouldn't I would have not put those two together, but that is a good callback. So basically they're 
needing to pay tithes and governing the church and all these constant threats to their borders because they own this huge plot of land, which, as you can kind of tell, we're leading ourselves to a place where why would they ever interact with Jelial, the drow debt collector who is beholden to a, directly to a matron mother, no mm. less. Yeah, and it's a completely random event that throws throws mm-hmm. them together. So yeah, Captain Dialup, I think it's like really stayed true to to the intent of of this posting in that it was just a random collapse of a wall in a tunnel that causes the the lands or the mines that uh, that Sergio Lostinov uh, reigns over, and that these adventurers that were thrown together he encounters. So it's just random circumstances to to put these people together. Yeah, and they do a great job. I mean, I think one of my favorite things is number seven, you know, kind of the banter back and forth. So Sergio, spider poison, that's absurd. Jalil, more absurd than making wine from frozen fruit. Shouldn't plants die off in this cold? I know I'm about to, I'm about to if we stay out much longer. Amazing. Like the built in dialogue ready to go. I mean It's it's so great. Yeah. yeah. And Building on top of, we're going back to the original question. So again, going back to to the spirit of the the post that that you had started with this is, are, are there any interests they may have in mm-hmm. common? And it's I, I find it such a fascinating and and random detail that flushes it out so much from from Captain Dialup about it's they have a shared uh, surprising interest in wine, and that's what cues up that conversation back and forth between yep. them. Whoever thought that these two kinds of characters would would like such a similar thing. Well, and I feel like it lends itself to kind of that, I don't want to say cliche. I think I'll use trope as a better way to say it, but you know, and there's just these two haggard characters that have no reason to be together. And then just clinking those bottles of ice wine together and throwing some back after some crazy battle that they had together. Mm -hmm. So, We've kind of set ourselves up and we can play off of Count Sergio Lostinov, but that means you and I get to lift the mental weights right now. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. Okay, so we're going to jump right into lifting those mental weights. Word on the street, Kurt, is that you have something that you're ready to go with right now. I do. I do. So I started thinking about George. The half elf barbarian <laughs> that that Will had had named in the post. So I'm just going to stick with that because I love that name so much. Perfect. So so George, I really liked the detail that you had in there about him being really, I mean, really afraid of the dark. And I started thinking about, well, how did that fear come about in the first place? And the idea that came to me was that it was some sort of an, an accident, whether uh, it could have been something that was magical to happen or maybe it was a natural phenomenon that caused George to lose his dark vision as a half-elf. And I could see that being oh. a really traumatic event for anyone losing parts, if not one of their their main senses. It could That would be a really terrifying thing for, for that person to, to end up going through. And so I, I felt like then that they turned that into something that would be easier to play off of from from a story wise and maybe from a role playing perspective as well for uh, for for the player characters. If you had a, a more legitimate reason behind him being really, really scared. Grant, I love the idea of it being a goof and there's lots of jokes and fun that you could have with it. I just wanted to, to give it a little bit more gravitas, a little bit more um you know, a, a little bit more drama behind it and, and why he ended up that way. And so 
once I started going down that path and thinking about that, then I, I the very natural, well, not natural, but the very sort of mundane reason that he lost his night vision is because, well, he is a selfish barbarian who likes to gamble. And I took that to mean that maybe he's not the most wise person in the world and that maybe he stared at a solar eclipse for too long and he didn't lose his <laughs> vision, but he did lose his dark vision. And so ever since that moment, he's been afraid of the dark because he can't see in the dark anymore. Oh, that's so good. Especially with the like premise of like, I bet you can't stare at the sun this long. I bet right. I can. <laughs> Well, challenge accepted. Well, and if you, yeah, because if you think about it, I mean, you're you're relearning, and now the the thing that basically you could see and were comfortable in is no longer that, and every shadow and the and I think maybe even the hint of the dark vision is still there, but it's more it's more that it's bad than it is just completely gone. And so, like oh. seeing shadows shadows that aren't there, and seeing faint shimmers or things like that. So then they're terrified of the dark because they don't have any idea what's actually there. Oh, that's a really fantastic idea. Because then, yet yeah, then you don't know is this this NPC hallucinating or is it actually just remnants of of their uh, dark vision coming back? Or maybe it's like sunspots. It's like maybe that's part of their vision as well is like the, as they make the transition from light to dark, they still get you know, the, the shadows or the, the remnants of what they saw in the, in the light coming across in the dark and it makes it feel like that there's things that are there that aren't. Ooh, that's good. So building on top of that, so coming up with this, this really legitimate well i don't know if it's legitimate but <laughs> coming up with this mundane <laughs> reason again for for why george lost his vision so then i started thinking about so where can i go from there how can i play off of that for another npc to to run into george and and the and for some reason i, I immediately went towards some sort a of a wizard diviner character and mm. she is an npc a wizard specializing in divination magic and she was actually studying the solar eclipse at the time to help in proving some theories that she had about some new spells she was trying to develop or new div divination techniques and it just so happens that at that time that she was studying that george took the bet to stare at the the solar eclipse for far too long <laughs> lost his dark vision and these were all things that coincided that a group of adventurers had come in through through town and George lost a bet with the rogue in the group and the group also caused some sort of mischief for the local lords that the diviner wizard had was providing services to and ended up causing her premonitions or divinations to to be false and so then i pictured kind of an on the road sort of odd couple going after the group of adventurers one going after them for revenge trying to get their money back the other one going after them from some sort of magical research uh, drive to try and figure out how is it that the this group of adventurers proved her her magic and her prophecies wrong she wants to know how they did that and seeing if she, that's maybe another branch of research that she could get into and so the two characters need each other going after the players because oh. George, he needs her magic to, to keep the darkness away at night. And she needs 
George because he's got those strong arms and uh, he's he's ready to punch things in the face on the road. Oh, that's so good. I love it. Did you have a did I did I miss it? Did you have a name for this divination wizard? Uh, Iovita the Diviner is oh. the name that I went with because I, I pictured her as this. This is her job. This is her living. She she would be a very she's an academic. She's very yeah, studious yeah. in divination magic, and that's why she was studying the eclipse to to see how that could be used in her rituals and, and magics moving forward. Yeah, it's, I love you know I love the idea of always tie being able to tie some magical elements to specific planetary movement and things like that because then you can have you can have a finite thing that makes magic more than it is be it a solar eclipse that a poor barbarian happens to be staring at and burning out their <laughs> their dark vision. And I love I mean this this whole topic I just find fantastic cuz if you if you can thread it right especially from a co-dungeon mastering perspective if there's a really memorable npc that one dm brought in and another memorable npc that another dm brought in and then somehow someone figures out how to bring them together and encounter the group again at the same time oh, yes. I love just picturing like the double check from each of the players as they're looking back and forth from from of these npcs from two different adventures and two different uh dungeon masters that's so good and, and especially pairing a couple of npcs that have no reason to be together together to make kind of a more memorable experience i guess now would be the absolute perfect time to talk once again about embro and verde the Broken mind flayer and essentially is sentient talking slime that I made as NPCs in my Undermountain game. And so it was basically a character had been eaten by a, a pudding or you know, in a gray, a green ooze. And then like the cleric tried to revive it. It didn't seem to have worked, but it did work, but in a very different way. So they have no real recollection of themselves before. They are now just Verde, because that's green in Spanish. Uh, and there's a Mind Flayer as well that they're paired up with, because they're just two monsters hanging out in Undermountain. And the Mind Flayer is essentially something has happened with their brain, so there's no longer connected, and they're kind of just on their own, just roaming around with this sentient, talking, green ooze. So there you go. So how so the the green ooze is able to communicate verbally yes. with the mind flare. How does it do that? Does does the ooze have to like form a mouth out of its out of its slime and create like a tongue to make audible noises? Yeah. Or? So that was kind of thing like like something a little bit akin to like the gibbering mouther, but not quite as gory or terrifying. No, that, that works out really well, especially from the mind flare's perspective because they technically don't have a tongue mm -hmm. or vocal cords either so they have to do some odd manipulation with their mouth tentacles and put it back in their throat to cause those vibrations and changes to form words and i love the idea that the 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 slime has to do something very similar for these two buddies just to communicate yeah. with each other yep and like that was the first interaction was basically the slime saying something like wait 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 Normally, this goes very bad for us, but please don't attack us. Uh, and then the conversation <laughs> happened. 
But I think with that, on the on the note of Embro and Verde, I think we've done it. We've done it once again. We have lifted the mental weights. But that leads me to asking my most important question, which is, where can people go on the internet to find all the awesome stuff you're doing? Well, I am probably the most active on Twitter as far as the social media is concerned, and I'm at Daughter Dungeon. Uh, so that's the handle I use for the show, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, but we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, you can also check out our website, DungeonsDragonsDaughters.com. Um, you can also find us on the uh, the Block Party Podcast Network. Yes, you can. Um, and I think, yeah, we have links to everything on blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. And of course, we'll have all the links in the show notes. But rather than let these mental gains go to waste, let's head over to Taking Your Supplements. Taking Your Supplements! So today on Taking Your Supplements, we are going to highlight something that recently came out on the DMs Guild, because that is a wonderful place for you to peruse. And it is called Extraordinary Inns and Taverns, and I know who made it. For I, I spent, I do. I spent time with them in a castle in France. And oh, it is, this again! Ah, son of a! Here he goes again. Uh, but in my game with Satine Phoenix were Catherine Evans and Liz Gist, and they made this supplement for you to just start dropping some extraordinary inns and taverns into your world. So I purchased it. So we'll throw that out there. They tried to give it to me for free, and I said, no, I'll purchase it so that no, I can review it. small creators. Yes, so I can pre- review it also with the mindset of, like, this is the same amount that anyone else would have paid for it. And I say it is well worth the money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Just taking even a cursory glance at this, I was already impressed immediately by this amazing cover that uses some classical art and the layout just first right off the bat i was like this feels really polished and really nice yeah i think the two things that kind of like bumped it up for me were they've made kind of logos or signs for each tavern Mm -hmm. but then they used something that i had not heard of before to build actually build the dungeon if you will like turning each tavern into a dungeon Excuse me. And they used Dungeon Builder, where it's like these really cool isometric versions of every tavern that they have. And then they are very different. You know, so some are pretty traditional, you know, like they kind of look like the taverns you see and know. But there are a few that are set in less stereotypical locales. The one that really tripped me out was the one in the Crystal Cave. Mm, where definitely. it's a full isometric map where it's like, here's these stairwells that go over to this room and in there is a table and chairs. Uh, it was that one. And then also they had one that is basically set in like a rotating tree called the Oaken Arm. So it occupies different trees around mm-hmm. the world. It, it basically transports itself. So they gave suggestions. They're like, here are these room tiles, but they will be stacked and moved around depending on what the tree itself actually looks like. So that was also another really cool just layout to see involved. Yeah. This. The other one that I loved was the chalk circle, which is basically <gasps> that like, is my favorite. One. Yes. <laughs> it's basically a college bar that you put near, you know, in like your wizard, you know, in your wizardry school, your bards college, whatever. And uh, yeah, the insanity that is the idea of a college bar for people that are learning magic. Can I tell you my favorite part? Yes. Uh, so there is a, in that one, in the chalk and circle, there is a little pseudo dragon named Nydia who rents out a room upstairs and they run sort of their own bar out of that just for familiars and companions. 
So, like, people aren't welcome in the bar, uh, but all their companions, so, like, you know, your ranger companions or your familiars uh, are invited to come and have their own experience at the bar within the bar, which was my favorite part of the Chuck and Circle. So good. And they lay out everything that you need, you know, and so the proprietor and the proprietor is usually statted out, which always terrifies me because that means they can be killed. And... The services that are offered, the rooms that are there, and you know, classic adventure hooks. You know, yeah. so if you wanted to set the bar or you know, in the inner tavern into your world, you already have some seeds that you could plant for your party. Yeah, and they're really great and helpful about giving suggestions of how you could incorporate any of these taverns into your world. Uh, so they they open up each of them with like sort of descriptors, and they're very general and easy to fit into any campaign setting, which is really cool to see. Yeah, so head on. They'll be in the show notes, but definitely head on over to the DM's Guild and purchase, if you see fit, Extraordinary Inns and Taverns. But with that... We're going to turn out the lights and head out of the gym. But before we go, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums and take part in these exercises and challenges, and as well as all of the other amazing conversations being had. To do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Can I trust you will add your own cardio? Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. What are you doing? Horizontal running.